you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. Hello and welcome to the Mash Those Buttons MASHcast, a podcast about video games, community, culture, and industry. I am Jarrett, also known as Ja, and I am here with the scourge of Ironforge and games industry public defender, Nick Zelenkevich. You know, I really haven't been to Ironforge lately. I feel like Scourge of the Broken Isles might be a better name. The last time I played, the Broken Isles didn't exist. Therefore, they do not exist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're 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 you're, uh, you're looking forward to Wild Classic then? Good to know. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I quit that game for a reason, Nick. <laughs> and it was because of Wild Classic. I didn't even make it the Burning Crusade. In your defense, as the video games public defender, I'll defend you in this instance. I also quit Wild Classic too. So <laughs> I did. I yes. came. I came back for Cataclysm. Yeah, I think I told that story on the Church of Ja, right? I believe you did, yes. Yeah, where I, I quit while making bullets at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's <laughs> something we got rid of in Cataclysm. So <laughs> much better much better game from a quality of life perspective now. All right. Well, we are not alone here. We are also joined with not Fruit Loop, not Cream Puff, Pop-Tart, also known as Christina. Yo, that was interesting. It making yes, me hungry. Because those are the names that people are like, oh yeah, I like that girl. What was her name? Fruit Loop? Like, no, <laughs> that's not her name. What Cream Puff? No, that's not her name. I it was will, Pop-Tart. I'll gladly go go by those names though, as long as it's not, you know, public toilet defender or something. Cause like I did go on that toilet rant last time, so <laughs> uh no. All right, you just gotta get them straight. If if the name is Pop Tart. You tell them it's Pop-Tart, and you make them respect your name. <laughs> as long as it's not Toaster Strudel, I'm okay. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, that's even worse that's... than Public Toilet Defender. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is episode number three. Uh, thank you, anybody who is listening again. If this is your first, you know, your second listen or your third listen, we appreciate you returning and listening to the show. Obviously, you like it, or at least we hope you like it. Hopefully, you don't hate it, and you're just looking for something to complain about. Um, for those who are new to the show, uh, we this the show we kind of cover a lot. We're going to be covering a, a lot of bases here, so we, we can be talking about one topic one week and then a completely different thing next week. Uh, but it's like I said in, in the opening, we talk about video games, community, culture, and industry. Today's topic is going to be games as a service. Let's talk about gas. Go ahead and giggle, Nick. No, I got it out of my system in pre-show. I'm good. Oh, yeah. This is, a very, this is a very serious discussion. There is no need for us to be laughing. It's such a juvenile joke as the fact that, you know, something like Blizzard is good at gas. That's that's not funny. It's just not. I oh, okay. hate you so much right now. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, one actually, I think we kind of missed this when we did our state of the uh, game, state of the gaming union twenty eighteen as a trend. 
you know, games as a service is something that has been trending for the last few years, and we're kind of seeing it, you know, increase. And the, re- the, the what kind of brought on this conversation is that Ubisoft, during their annual report, said that they are going to be backing away from annual releases and moving toward, you know, and start. They're going to be embracing a service model, which essentially is games as a service. It's gas. Um, they actually had a, a chart because you know everybody loves charts. But they saw a 39% increase. Oh, so I should say, in, in terms of year two sales, I was going to say that wrong. In terms of year two sales, uh, games that are not run as a service, you know, just standard games, had, you know, only a 13%, I guess, revenue increase. And not even revenue increase, but 13% of the revenue they made in the year one was made in year two. But for live games, as they called it, Fifty-two percent, like the the live game, made fifty-two percent of the revenue of year one and year two. That's a thirty-nine percent increase or difference, I should say, which is uh substantial. We can see why they would want to kind of switch to a service model, but you know that kind of comes with some problems, right? It's, it really seems like the industry can't do more than one thing at a time, you know. And I, I do want to say something about Ubisoft before we continue. Always the follower, never the leader. Always the follower, never the leader. Call of Duty goes yearly. They see good numbers. Ubisoft, we're going to make yearly titles. Assassin's Creed sounds good. Wrong. Oh, EA, they're going to break away from Steam and use their own game service. Ubisoft, okay, let's do that too. <laughs> you know? And now here we are, uh, games as a service. You know, I never actually put that together, too, because I was like, oh, yeah, like Activision has a really big track record of running their games into the ground. Guitar Hero may rest in peace. Um, And then I was like, oh, cool, Assassin's Creed. They're just doing the same thing. But I didn't notice that they actually follow everybody like that. They're just like, oh, let's just join them together. It's not necessarily a terrible thing. If you see somebody else making money doing something, then why wouldn't you want to replicate what they're doing to make money? I mean, yeah, you want to be innovative, but at the same time, I mean, I I don't know if they just lack the the vision to be innovative or if they're just very, very conservative and they're only following established business practices. But but you can follow an established business practice wrong. Call of Duty because it's really built for multiplayer, let's be honest, for the most part, even though I'll give Activision credit, the single player has gotten substantially better. I did not play the last, the most recent Call of Duty, but Black Ops 3, Infinite Warfare, even Advanced Warfare, I enjoyed. Um, Not saying they're top-tier titles, but still enjoyable. But you can't, like, making Assassin's Creed a yearly title was a bad call bad move and it's one of the reasons why they're in the situation they are right now they didn't even have time to flesh out the story well yeah yeah well yeah i think that's the problem is that call of duty there's no ongoing saga for them to have to stay on 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 pace with they can just pump out a war game every year and they can have different people work on it there's no significant continuity but assassin's creed especially you had what desolate's working on that originally yeah that yeah you want some kind of you want you want to be going somewhere with that narrative and and in addition to being able to actually make a good game which 
requires what is it? I guess they they for Call of Duty they found they need three studios rotating every three years. That yep. yeah, that not only do you need to have Dieselitz actually writing a story like that's the problem is like I think you look at a lot of games and they're designed like you look like Mass Effect or something like that was intended to be a trilogy or at least they had the idea there to put in place make it a trilogy. So you have a beginning and a, a middle and an end, and then and then from there you're like you can play around in the universe, but you're not you're not hitting those same characters. Whereas with Assassin's Creed, you know, if you're going to do something yearly, it's like a soap opera. Like you're, you can't ever really end the story. You can't ever really have like a, a a point where you're moving on to different characters because that's not, that's not what they wound up doing. They wound up, what happened? They killed the one guy at the end of the third game for no apparent reason. Desmond. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He didn't have to die. Yeah. He, He didn't have to die. He shouldn't have died because he was the he was the, the he was the story for current for the current timeline. He was Assassin's Creed. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and that game, well, actually, no, Assassin's Creed Three did an excellent job of killing that game. Black Flag kind of breathed a little bit of life back into it, but after that, well, Black Flag breathed so much life into it, they decided, hey, let's just take this and make it its own thing, completely separate from Assassin's Creed. <laughs> Yeah, but Ubisoft, that's the thing. Like, I guess maybe that's another reason why I kind of wanted to bring up, bring this up as a, t- a topic was because now that Ubisoft is doing it, it kind of means that the industry is already in swing to kind of go gas, pretty much. That's like what they're, yeah, I'm now I'm trying to make Christina laugh at this point. So, <laughs> so can we say that the industry is getting gassy? Yeah, the industry is getting gassy. Even when you don't say gas, I just like when you just say games as a service in a sentence, I just imagine you saying gas. So it's ha- <laughs> it has the same effect at this point. Yeah, so like the, the industry is already swinging toward this model. And I guess before I want before we get into what's happening industry-wise, let's talk a little bit how does this directly affect Ubisoft? I mean, there are some games specifically that i have you know i you know i i know it's are going to be affected um rainbow six siege is probably one of the reasons one of the main reasons why they're doing this it's it's worked out very well for them uh in both the esports aspect and continuing to make you know money on the game but i shouldn't say lesser known titles but less popular titles but popular popular enough like shoot mania and track mania technically speaking their games as a service as well there's a con- there's a constant live team working on that game you know uh i actually own shoot mania but i got to be honest with you man when i took like i i when i purchased shoot mania and turned on the game i was almost immediately turned off by the interface i was like did somebody at the art institute make this game because it looked terrible. It looked absolutely terrible. That was years ago. It, uh, it wasn't beta, folks. This was the live launch of the game. I'm like, this looks like shit. And I didn't go back to it. So maybe, maybe they uh, maybe they fixed it at this point. I mean, maybe they did better. I'm not going to lie. I turned Trials on for the first time in a very long time the other day. And like, I'm just mashing the X button. Like, there's just shit going on. Like, go away. Let me play my game, man. Like, there's just like all these pop-ups. Like, I had to scroll like five ways to get into the game. It was just, it's probably because I haven't turned it on for a long time. So it's like all the notifications and stuff from like right. all the DLC that they've dropped because it's Ubisoft. Yes, exactly. But, 
The other thing I wanted to do that, when I turned on Forza Horizon 3 after a long time, before I could do anything, I had to watch four videos. <laughs> because they it was for each of the DLCs they had released. So... Uh, but yeah, so like Shoot Mania and Track Mania, I think they're already games as a service, and they're probably doing well. But one that's an annual release, but not games as a service, is just dance. How would you make that a games as a service? That's I think that's an easy one. You just release just dance, non yearly title. You know, just maybe just call it just dance at this point, right? Because they called Just Dance 2018, 2019, just like, you know, that's what game. I call music. Oh, yeah. Too. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so just call it Just Dance and then release, you know, yearly packs of music. But more than likely for Just Dance, they're probably going to just release songs individually that they'll let you pay for. Almost like Rock Band. Almost like Rock Band, right. And call that Games and Service. I think that's an easy one to do. Assassin's Creed. As of right now, it's no longer a yearly title. They, don't, I think, they had no choice but to take a break with Origins, because if they, with the way Unity went, with the way Syndicate went, even though Syndicate wasn't a bad game, fatigue was already set in. It didn't sell that well, and and then they had a know, movie, which was that, that piece. <laughs> that movie was a turd. Like that, I couldn't believe. I was like, ah, you know, there's a lot of material for them to work with, and. It was just such a shit movie. I was so I, bored. I didn't watch it, but when I saw that it was t- like a uh, PG thirteen rated, I was really confused that an assassin movie was not rated R. Exactly. Yeah. Like it. It did. It's not even worth it. It's just not worth it. So, uh, yeah. But Assassin's Creed, I, I believe that's off of the annual table. I hope they don't do something stupid. And show a new Assassin's Creed this E3. What they should be showing is a DLC, like maybe like a massive DLC. Well, isn't for it. isn't that the whole point that it is off the yearly table that it's going to be a game as a service, and so they're going to be pumping out DLC and and additional content for it because they're they're moving in that direction, which it seems is what they would want to do. You know, you put the game out, you support it. Afterwards, you give the game life. I mean, we. I don't know if there's other stuff we're going to talk about tonight, but they, they certainly have different ways that they're able to leverage that Assassin's Creed game uh, that they weren't with other Assassin's Creed games. So, I mean, I think we're going to get into that a little later. Are, are DLC supported titles considered games in service? Aren't they, I thought that kind of was the point they said in the article that they were, that that's kind of one of the, one of the ways that you extend the life of the well, just because the article says it doesn't mean it's actually yes. <laughs> like you know, he's got opinions, but we have a podcast, so we have our own opinions. <laughs> so the way that no, I, the way that I thought of it, I, go, I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay, the way that I kind of see it is like it's it's something that's continuously worked on inside and outside of DLC. So things like Borderlands, it wasn't really a games as a service because they had like their one time DLC and then that was not one time, but like they released their DLCs and that was kind of it. Well, it was part of the the pipeline. Like there was a life cycle right. for that game, right? So when you know, God damn it, we're skipping ahead. Okay, sorry. Okay, wait. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna come back to that, and actually, like that, we're gonna get back. We're gonna we're gonna get to it. Okay. <laughs> Follow the notes, people. Be professional. I just what? wanted to get to the ending. Uh, okay, see everybody next week. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> just like his intro. 
So yeah, we'll talk about whether or not Assassin's Creed is act can be considered games of service, even if they release DLC. Ghost Recon, uh, and actually a lot of Tom Clancy games, right? Like so, Rainbow Six obviously games of service. However, I wonder if that's going to stop them from making other single player Rainbow Six games. Because I've never been a huge fan of Rainbow Six multiplayer. It's the single player that I've been a fan of. I was also I used to be a fan of Ghost Recon, but then they started fucking that up too. Not this time. Like the Wildlands was fucked up, but the Ghost Recon what was that Future Soldier was also pretty fucked up as well. Um, but this one, it was almost like they were trying to make a division that was not in the winter time. Actually, in a completely different part of the world. That's what it felt like, Wildlands. So I thought that game was mostly single player. I don't really know much about it. It's it, That game is open world. It's an open world Ghost Recon that's really built for you to work with friends like that it's it's built it's built to be okay. a co-op shooter um but now it just didn't work out it wasn't a good game and it looks like trash at the highest at the highest settings it looks like trash so so i just remember a lot of people buying it because they're like yeah rainbow six is awesome let's go and then they would not be happy about their purchase they are misinformed even at their primes rainbow six and ghost recon are two different games but it's the tom glancy that's that's the thing it's kids like what do you if that's the case then go buy hawks (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) go buy splinter cell too like you know like the east tom glancy game is different these kids are being misled they need to yeah they need to be shepherded that's the word listen to our podcast yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but Ghost Recon, I don't know. I, I think be, with the direction they took with Wildlands, they might want to turn Ghost Recon into a games-as-a-service game. I personally don't want to see that because I just want to see single-player Ghost Recons. I want to see tight-knit single-player Ghost Recon games. They're called ghosts for a reason. They shouldn't just be driving around the place, blowing and shooting the place up. Like, you know, it's, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> but, but That's fun, isn't it? It could be, but not in Ghost Recon Wildlands. <laughs> so Far Cry is another title that Ubisoft soft has that I think will be a huge mistake if they take the gas route. It's not an annual title though, so I don't think they will. This is I'm not I don't think I don't think anybody here is saying that Ubisoft is gonna drop any you know regular games. However, they will definitely be more heavily spending their resources on games as a service. So that can be kind of a problem. I think the division two can definitely go games as a service. And this has a lot, and it, you know, right now you might want to say that Division is games as a service, but it wasn't meant to be games as a service. Division, the Division kind of stumbled onto games as a service because of its botched launch. And so they pushed the DLC back and they released these patches and stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure the latest patch too, I think it's called 1. I think it's 1.8, was also a free patch. That's games as a service right there. When you have a free patch that delivers new ways to play the game, that that that's that's games as a service, which is why this I think there's going to be a debate on what do you actually consider games as a service. Now, to look at a great example of games as a service executed well, I think you need to look at Blizzard. Blizzard does it the best. They years ago they said they were going to treat every release they had as yes. That's that's they that's what they said. And Overwatch and Diablo 3 are probably the best examples of that. Because you can literally pay for Overwatch one time. And 
you get all of the uh, all of the stuff. Like you get all of the uh, new characters, you get all of the new maps, you get all of the uh, yearly events from start from the start of that game's development. They knew that they were going to run this game as a service. You want to talk about like Diablo three and Overwatch? I think Diablo two was really when they got into that. I mean, they supported that game well beyond they had any right to. I mean, they really supported it almost up until the launch of Diablo 3. I mean, they weren't necessarily putting out patches to the same degree that they were, or, you know, like new content necessarily, but they were still, you know, there was still there was still a hardcore scene. There were still people playing that game up until Diablo 3 came out for a good, like, eight years, which, I mean, this is back, we're talking in the mid-2000s. So, like, a good 10 years ago, Diablo, or Blizzard was doing this. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is, they realized, I mean, basically they realized like you make good games, you support those games properly and people will, people will play them and you'll be rewarded. You'll build a massive, you'll build a fan base that is appreciative. And I don't think it's, you know, it pays off for them. It's almost like, it's like paying it forward or, you know, just, just, you know, just being, if you're just good, if you're just, you don't worry about the revenue the revenue takes care of itself if you just do what's right. Well, I think one of the reasons why Blizzard is so great at gas is because they put the community first. Mostly. <laughs> Mostly, I'll say. They, they have a very community-centric attitude when it comes to how they run their company. And that is ex- that's, ex- that's an extreme if you compare it to EA, Activision, Ubisoft, right? You know, they don't treat their consumers just like their consumers and they're buying a toaster. They treat them like a community, you know, and a lot of the option and a lot of the things that they, wa- they, they, they do in games weighs in on that. And if it doesn't work out, cough, cough, Diablo 3 auction house, you know, it goes away. Well, the thing that I yeah. love about I don't play Blizzard games too often because I don't do much with like online games and stuff. But the thing that I love about most Blizzard games is you either pay for it once or like Hearthstone, you just get it for free and you pay what you want if you want to, but you don't have to. And it's just kind of beautiful the way that they do that because they make a lot of money from it, obviously, because a lot of people want to buy that, but you don't have to. Yeah, Blizzard kind of puts the game first and then let the money follow, whereas a lot of other companies put the money first. And then the game follows. There are people who would argue that Hearthstone is that the the economic model isn't correct. That in order to re- properly play, play Hearthstone, that you need to invest a significant amount of money into it. Um, that said, I'm a free to play, play player. I'm not, you know, I'm not topping the ladder every month. I'm kind of mid range on there, but I'm enjoying myself. I'm getting, I'm getting more than the, I'm getting more enjoyment out of it than the money I'm putting into it. So I can't complain, but. I think for the most part, Blizzard understands sort of where that sweet spot is. They may not always hit it perfectly, but they're in the area and they're usually within the margin of error such that, you know, with a slight tweak here or there, they can get back to that area. So it's never, I don't think it's ever a problem. Like, I don't think there's ever really been a Blizzard game where people have been like, oh my God, that was utterly terrible. I, I regret giving any money to them. That was a horrible decision and I'm just completely withdrawing from everything that they do. I don't, I don't think that's ever been a problem for them. Oh, no, uh, I mean, I well, bought Overwatch twice and I didn't play it, but I don't regret it, to be fair, so. Yeah, I've definitely purchased Overwatch more than twice at this point. Well, you play it. Yeah. I don't, I don't play it. I mean, I have like five accounts that does not include loot box purchases. So you buy a 50-pack of loot boxes, you just bought Overwatch. 
True. Yeah. But uh, yeah. what I was going to say while you're saying that, though, is yeah, Hearthstone is a free game and like the money that you put into it. I, I think if you put like an entry level amount into it to get your deck started, it's probably not a bad thing because you're not paying for it. But it also goes into that realm of it's actually technically a phone game, right? So it follows the model of most phone games where it's free. But if you want to get good, you got to get money into it, you know, like the... It- clash games or whatever they have well it started well i guess it's hard to tell exactly what their plan originally was because i mean they did release it originally as a pc game and then they ported it to the phone but it it fits right on the phone like that model i think that's what they were always pursuing so i think what's going to be interesting is that blizzard has a uh, they have a department what is it uh alan adham the the one of the founding members of blizzard who left and then came back uh, he's in charge of this. I can't think of the the, the word, but it's basically like a, a a a group of developers inside Blizzard who are all working on these secret projects. I don't know if you've seen this with Overwatch because Overwatch is still fairly new, but we've seen a, a regular talent drain of people who are working on Warcraft and then have left it, and they're like, "Oh, they're just somewhere else in the company. We don't know where." And there's all these secret projects that they have. And presumably based on their comments, based on Activision's comments, based on the fact that Activision required King in the last, was it two, like two years ago or so that the speculation is that they're working on at least more than one mobile game. I think even in their last uh, quarterly earnings or the yearly earnings, they mentioned that I think Morheim said something along the lines that they want to get their primary IP out on mobile. They want, they want more of that. So, I mean, technically you have Warcraft out on mobile in the form of Hearthstone, uh, but they, you know, I think they want to see Starcraft on mobile. You want to see, uh, you want to see Overwatch on mobile, um, or at least they want to see that in some form. I'm not saying release Overwatch on the iPhone. That would be, that's, you know, that, that, that would be a mistake, but some sort of, you know, maybe there's like a Clash of Clans style game that could work for Warcraft, or maybe they, they set it in the Starcraft universe. Maybe they set it in the Overwatch universe in some way. Um, there's there's these games that they're working on in some way, and it'll be interesting to see because we're sitting there, we're praising them right now. We're saying that they've, you know, they're 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 leading the industry in this regard. That they're showing everybody like if you're going to implement games as a service, this is how you do it. Well, now we're going to see them. I keep waiting every year at BlizzCon. I was expecting last year at BlizzCon to, that they'd announce at least one of these games. Presumably, they'll announce one of these games this year at BlizzCon. Maybe before, but I, I wouldn't expect that. But we're going to see as they they entrench themselves more in the mobile world where you're right. This is a more common monetization, you know, and this is a more common, you know, style for implementing your game. It'll be interesting to see if they're still able to maintain that industry leadership or if they stumble and they start making some mistakes here because Hearthstone, Hearthstone from their perspective, that sort of showed them they had a small team of developers. They implemented this game and they made a buttload of money and, if they can replicate that with other games, you know, they, as I said, they have a ton of these teams in this development farm that we're not seeing. We don't know what's going to come out of there. I mean, maybe they can replicate the success of Hearthstone. Maybe they'll they'll copy something else and replicate that success, or maybe they'll they'll release a, a clunker and, and we'll just you know we'll all be like, oh, they shouldn't have done that. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, the I don't play Hearthstone, but I do play Heroes of the Storm, and not bragging or anything like that. I haven't spent a single dime in Heroes of the Storm, and the game plays great for me. It's one of those free-to-play titles that if you actually put time into the game, and not an unbelievable, outrageous amount of time, because I don't, you can still buy characters in the game. They let you try out five characters every week. If you find a character you really like, I like, I really like Zagara, and I purchased her with gold that I made inside the game by playing. You know? So... 
you know, like, and the thing is, like, they, they, like I said, they focus on their games being very enjoyable first, and then the money follows. And that's one big difference from the rest of the industry. Uh, we're going to get into some negative, you know, implementations and aspect of gas a little later. But, yeah, like that, that, like that's a great example of what you want to see in gas, you know. Now, let's circle back to are DLC games considered gas? Are DLC supported games considered gas? Uh, you know, and I have a, like a couple examples, like one being Call of Duty. Every year, that's a yearly title right there. You would think something like that would be considered gas because it's it's a yearly title. However, Call of Duty, every single Call of Duty has a life cycle. It has the initial launch, and then do they still do four DLCs? Do mm-hmm. they only do three DLCs? They do four DLCs because they call them seasons. They release a quarterly DLC. That's not games as a service because that game has a life cycle, and Activision is expecting that particular Call of Duty game to die November of the following year. That's how that game works. How much does each season cost? Uh, well, it's fifty dollars. It's fifty for the pass. So whatever, like probably twenty. It's like ten dollars more if you buy them separately. It's okay, fifteen. So fifteen dollars. Yeah, so fifteen bucks. Well, so but if you also- buy the if you buy the pass though, so it's what sixty dollars for the base game and then fifty dollars for the. For all the the subsequent seasons, yeah, you're spending 110 dollars off the bat, right? So, but running games like that, like that, causes community segmentation, right? Every if you don't have a DLC, now you can't play certain maps, and I can almost guarantee that with each DLC, less and less people buy them. So, if you get the final DLC, you're probably playing with the smallest pool of players on those maps. You keep seeing, you know. you know, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Raffle Stomper 27. <laughs> you know, every game. <laughs> you know, but you know, the, you know, you have other games that kind of also seem more like games as a service, like Destiny. You put a little question mark on that because Destiny also was meant with a life cycle. Destiny was supposed to have two years. And then it was supposed to come out with Destiny 2. You know, Destiny is supposed to have two years, you know, uh, like year one, three DLCs, year two. And then I I think originally they wanted to release Destiny 2, like probably spring of year of what became Destiny year two. Because they only really had the Taken King. After the Taken King came out, that was it. You know that that was uh, that was it for year two, and then year three they cobbled together a uh, shitty DLC. You know because the, the game, games development went off the rails. But that, I I almost consider game, Destiny games as a service because of that because it had it had a definitive life cycle. But go ahead. Well, see, isn't the problem here that I guess what we're defining as a game you're defining as a game the actual physical. Almost like disc that ships, and it does, it does. I know you can download this stuff digitally, so they're not doesn't necessarily have to be a disc that ships. But you're basically saying like you know, Call of Duty comes out in November, and that in itself is a self-contained game, lasts for a year, and then the next one comes out, and that's a whole new thing. And you're not wrong. I'm not disagreeing with you because that is a valid way to look at it. But I think the way the industries are looking at it is it's the franchise itself, and maybe that's the problem. Is we shouldn't be calling it games as a service. We should be calling it like franchise as a service. Because, I disagree because that's just yearly releases then. Well, yeah, but it's 
But, but it well, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be because like you would say like Warcraft, is, you would say Warcraft is a game as a service, right? I would. Right. And so not only do you, you have the, I mean, you have the $15 a month subscription. So yeah, that's there. But you also have the, every two years, you know, roughly there's a $50 expansion that comes out. And that sort of is the, that's the game. And and I know you say like, oh, you're, you're playing with people or you're only playing with people who have the latest thing, which is true. That's, that's how Warcraft works. And it's one of those things where I think that it, cause again, like I was asking before, it's, you said it's like $110 for the whole year of call of duty. I'm paying 15 times 12 more than that. That's well over a hundred dollars right there. I'm paying more than that in a, even in a year when there is no expansion, I'm paying more than that just for the regular monthly content that comes in. Actually not even monthly, like every seven, seven weeks or so it is, I think they said, or uh, no, 11 weeks, roughly every 11 weeks we get new content and wow. So I'm paying more than that for 11, every 11 weeks we get content and wow. And I don't see, I don't necessarily see the, see the difference there. I mean, you're right. Everybody has to move on to the next platform. I think more so I, I see this with destiny because it's not that destiny. It's not just the destiny itself had a life cycle. They had that whole 10 year plan. So if they're looking at this in the scale of 10 years where they know there's going to be different annual or not different annual releases, but every two or three years, there's going to be a destiny Two, a destiny three, a destiny four, you know, comet, whatever the hell they're going to call it that they're, they're expecting revenue year after year. And if you're expecting revenue year after year, that's you're providing a service in that regard. I think that is a, it's something as a service, whether it's game as a service, franchise as a service, making money as a service. I don't know what, what you want to call it, but there is definitely a service being provided for yearly revenue in return. It's not just they're like, oh, hey, you know, Call of Duty this year was great. What are we going to do next year? More Call of Duty. Yeah. Like they, they have a plan ahead of time on this. But I think the thing is, like, yeah, you're right. They have a plan on how they want to do it. They have the game and then they do the 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 DLCs and whatever. I don't really know if they do any patches in between to, like, the, probably to, like, fix bugs and stuff. But, like, to add any kind of, like, solid gameplay or, or content or whatever. Like how they do, for instance, I play a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen Every other week, I swear to God, there's, like, a new um, event going on that I could just go and do. And I didn't have to pay for that event. It's not extra DLC. I do pay for my subscription. But, I mean, the content that they give me is so much more than what I pay for the subscription because they're out there for the community. So I think that's a big thing that he's kind of putting in perspective where like, yeah, Call of Duty has just these base things and they don't expand because this is already what they're planning on doing. Unlike things like WoW or Final Fantasy or Overwatch, even how they have their events and they throw things like Lucio Ball in there just because of it. Yeah, I think games as a service, you don't segment your community. Warcraft, even though they are putting out expansions. Once the expansion's out, you got to upgrade, right? Like they, they're not really segmenting their community. Just the community can be segmented in Destiny. It most certainly is segmented in Call of Duty. Destiny, you know, I, I'll give you a, a little bit, I'll agree with you a bit more, only because you're right. I mean, like they do have a 10-year plan. They expected that, you know, well, we're going to put this, you know, we're going to have this game out. We're going to put out the first one. Two years later, we're going to put out the next one. And two years later, we're going to put out the next one. But it's still a little different because, oh, maybe I should maybe maybe it's not that different because you know maybe Blizzard just executes that much better, 
right? I mean, how long is the average dry spell in WoW, would you say? Well, like I said, lately they've been putting out content roughly every 11 weeks. Uh, but that said, like when they get to the end of expansion, there's usually a good year long dry spell. Now, this time it actually looks like it may only be like eight months, which everybody is super excited about because only eight months as opposed to a year is a huge right. difference. But um, yeah, I'd say it's usually you get a year of regular releases throughout that year and then you get a year where it's just kind of dead for a year and then, yeah. you know, rinse and repeat as needed. It's a little hard to compare because, you know, you can say the same thing like, well, with year two, you have the Taken King and then there was a dry spell for a year and they released Rise of Iron and there was a dry spell for a year. But the difference between the dry spell on WoW is that once you get that new content, you're you have quite a bit of content to kind of sift through and the reason why people get through so fast is because world of warcraft players are animals and that's yes. all they play well, you know and um but well, with so, some some expansions more than others uh the last right. expansion really had legs and and i'm i mean that's one of the reasons why i haven't bothered to play any other games because anytime i have played i've been trying to get caught up in that the expansion before that that year-long drought felt more like 14 or, or 15 months i mean it was it was right. significantly worse so it depends. So yeah, yeah, I can give you a bit more when it comes to like I'll, I can agree with you a bit more when it comes to Destiny, but I do believe that each Destiny game has a life cycle, and the mentality is a little different versus a, a Blizzard game, which is just kind of like, oh, not Blizzard game, but specifically Warcraft, which is like you know the reason you're paying for this expansion is because not just because we want to pump pump more money out of you. But because we're changing so much and the assets are changing, you know, you're actually going to different places in in WoW expansions, you know. Uh, so it's a little different. But like I said, like, you know, the my, my Destiny argument has a couple of holes to put, like, you know, a couple of holes you could poke in there. But for the most part, I think it has a lot to do with mentality, right? If, you know, games as a service, like Overwatch, right? There's no plans for Overwatch 2. They'd probably only release... I don't even, they wouldn't even release Overwatch 2 if they wanted to do, like, a major overhaul, right? Even if they wanted to update the game engine, they just update the the Overwatch game engine like they have done with World of Warcraft. There is no WoW 2. There is no plans to change, you know, to... to well, that we know of. Yeah. They would, there'd have to be an, a, an incredibly... Uh, you know, it would have to be a different game, like EverQuest and EverQuest 2 you know, uh, for the change. So games as a service is like, it's a service forever. You know, that's kind of, at least, you know, relatively speaking, right? You know, we don't know how long we're playing Warcraft for, but, you know, Destiny 2 is out. We know we're going to be getting a Destiny 3 probably within the next two years or so. Maybe, <laughs> depending on, hopefully they can salvage what they have and make a better game. So that that's kind of like what the thing about games as a service, like, well, Rainbow Six Siege, there's no plans to make a Rainbow Six Siege 2 as as far as we know it. You I know, think, I think what they try to do is they put out a game and see how long they could just coast on it until it kind of just goes down, and they're like, okay, another one. I, I think is right. what that's why what Division Two. I mean, I don't. You said Division wasn't really meant to be game as a service, but it kind of went that way, and I think that might be why this one held on for so long before we got a second one. You probably have different opinions. I don't know how division works, but I think no. Like, well, first of all, I think they're with division two. I think they're trying not to fuck up the way they did the first one. And now that Destiny two came out, and they saw that 
you know, they're really trying not to pull a Destiny 2. <laughs> See, Destiny, Destiny 2 bre- Death- Destiny 2 breathed life into a dead game. That's how hard. That's how hard it failed. It Destiny, brought another game back to life. Destiny a life for a life. Is good for the industry because it is showing everybody what not to do. Yeah. We got a lot of that this year, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, well, one, one question I have, though, is I feel like a lot of the games that we're talking about that are successful games as a service, and it could just predominantly be because Blizzard tends to be a PC first company where, you know, Overwatch, yes, that's on console, but that's also a PC game. And, you know, World of Warcraft, a PC game, Hearthstone, a PC game, also on mobile, yes. But, you know, then the, the games we're talking about that kind of fall into that gray area where they're kind of like games as a service, but not Assassin's Creed, uh, the. I don't know about the division. What what uh, is the division more of a PC game or a console game? It's more of a console game, but I think a lot of division players kind of migrated over to PC. It was that, definitely built with console first mentality. Because that, I think, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is I feel like a lot of these games, Destiny um, and you know Call of Duty, Assassin's Creed, they're console first games, and I feel like the entire concept of like games as a service as it's existed before, even before I think the term game as a service necessarily existed. I think that was more of a PC mindset where we're going to put a game out. We're just going to support it. We're going to keep patching it. We're just going to keep patching. We're just going to keep patching it. Whereas on the console, I feel like your, your mindset is, Oh no, we make our money up front. You, but you pay the $60 for that game. And then everything after that will work on later. But that's our primary focus is getting you to pay $60 on a regular basis for that disc. And I think maybe the reason we're having this discussion now is because we're finally hitting the point where consoles are online enough and the whole concept of, you know, download digital downloads and all that are finally getting to the point where console oriented developers or or, uh, or, uh, producers can finally start to start thinking like a PC developer where you're like, okay, like let's get into that PC headspace where we're just going to, you know, put the game out once and then we're just going to keep updating it on your hard drive on a regular basis. Well, it's not just that. More so than that, more so than the online connectivity and the digital downloads, because let's be honest, we've had digital download capability uh, for about about 10 years now on console, all right? I think the big change now is the change in in the console architecture, the switch to x86, so that you don't have to worry about backward compatibility as much. Going from the Xbox One, to the Xbox One X, fully backward compatible because of the operating system. The next PS5 or whatever, the, like the next actual different Sony console is more than likely going to have backward compatibility uh, with these with the PS4 because of the architecture. Games as a service requires you requires your whatever you're running it on to run for a very long time. One of the biggest problems with console before uh, is that you you were expected to swap consoles every few years. Obviously, the last generation of consoles was an anomaly, but that's just not going to happen anymore, I don't think. Uh, so now, even if you do swap console hardware, you're going to be able to take your game from your game and your account and all that stuff from one console to the other, uh, maybe with some enhanced fidelity. Or perhaps just with, you know, lower settings if it's for the previous console. You know, I mean, at some point, your game will no longer work on an older console, but your account still will be there. Go ahead, Nick. Well, isn't that essentially kind of what Destiny ran into? That 
maybe the original Destiny 1 would have been able to go for longer if they didn't know, oh, we're going to release this for the PS3 and the Xbox. Was, was the last one the 360? Yeah, 360. That, you know, they knew that they were releasing this on aging consoles, and they actually had to phase them out before Destiny 1 even expired. That if they had just come out and said, oh, no, we're putting this out on the, the PS4 and the Xbox. What's the current one? The Xbox One? Xbox One. Yes. Xbox One. There's no Xbox. I keep thinking there's an Xbox Next in there. There's no Xbox Next. I don't know why. No, it's not. <laughs> no. But if they had just decided back when the first Destiny came out that they were like, oh, no, we're just putting this on, you know, the PS4, the Xbox One, and we're going to go from there. Would we necessarily have Destiny 2 by now, or would we have had, you know, what, the Taken Kings, Taken King, or whatever the heck the... No, we'd the have it. three? We'd have it, and I'll tell you why. Because of Destiny 2. Destiny 2 showed that Bungie was not limited by the PS3 or the Xbox One. They just didn't know what the fuck they were doing. <laughs> that, that's, that, that's what it really came down to. They nailed that we shit on Destiny so much on this show. It's only episode three. But, but like we, they nailed the shooting mechanics of the game, right? But the RPG-esque elements of the game, just gone. Like they, they, they just completely missed how to make an RPG-style game, almost. Which is amazing with how many examples they had. Fantasy Star Online, Guild Wars, just to name two big ones that did it very well, you know? But that's why I think we would still be in the situation we are with Destiny. I, I, I'm not going to give him a pass on that. Denied. I, 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 I feel like I could disagree with you, but I, I don't want this to become like in orbit too. So <laughs> I'll let it go. I'm going to let it go. Uh, let's let's kind of move into like industry implications of gas. So I want to talk about the negatives first because – I kind of want to leave it a positive note, maybe like, you know, because gas is the future as it stands right now. Right. <laughs> that That's it, it, gas is the future. Uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of it. And I don't want people to be too worried about it. But so we're going to go through the negatives first and end off with the positives. OK, so a couple of negative things that can come out of like with the industry transitioning into this, you know, business model is uh, one of the first things is that I thought of was that it may lead to a lack of diversity for AAA publishers and developers. I'm not worried about indie developers. I'm not worried about smaller developers, especially PC small developers, because they'll release what they want to release on Steam. However, most of the money made in this industry is made through AAA development. Uh, you know, with, with, we need AAA publishers to push out those big games. We do. They have the staff. They have the resources to push out big games like you can't expect a smaller studio to push out a grand theft auto 5 because they don't have a couple hundred million dollars laying around to develop such an awesome game and we still want these awesome games so with developers big developers and publishers switching to this model we may see a lack of diversity because just like ubisoft we we see duplicates in the industry all the time league of legends gets big everybody makes a moba you know how, how many mobas are left at this point uh, esports are getting huge now. Everybody wants an esport. It's constant. It's a constant game. A follow leader. For how long do we get Call of Duty clones? Shit, military shooters. You know. I mean, I s- go ahead. I was gonna say we get them until we f- they fail, but yeah. <laughs> no, I. Oh man, I don't know what I was gonna say. Never mind. I just great lost job, it. Nick. Thanks. <laughs> 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 but you know, it, it, it's, it becomes a big, uh, uh, it becomes a big 
you know, follow the leader type deal where you see a certain game or a certain style game works with gas the best and they continue to try to everybody's trying to make the next game that's like that so that leaves a problem and that also kind of dives into my second point which single player experiences don't work that well with games as a service that's what i was gonna say thank you right (laughs) (laughs) so single players usually don't work again and like i say it could be a mentality like if you make a single player title that you it's episodic maybe that can work you know, where you're just going to keep making episodes for this single-player title. But then again, that has to be priced properly, though. I don't want to be paying $60 for the initial game, and I only get, like, part of the story. But you wouldn't know, that, that be fall into the same time, or, like, the same thing as you're already paying for it, or paying for it up front, or whatever, like how Call of Duty is, where you have the lifespan of the game, so it wouldn't technically be games as a service, because it's not, like, a consistent thing that they're just pushing out for the community because of that is because it's part of the life cycle of the game. Right. Well, that's the thing. Like what I said earlier was that if your game has a definitive life cycle, like the game itself, then I don't think I could be considered games as a service. Cause then it's just DLC keeping the game alive. Like DLC was considered as part of how you're going to pay for the game, how they develop the budget for the game. Uh, games as a service, it'll be more like you have the architecture, the, you know, the architecture, in the structure for a single player title and you're just releasing episodes or, you know, just DLC with you did. As soon as you get done with one DLC, you're just thinking about the next one to do. Usually when DLC comes out, that DLC was thought of as a, as an original part of the game to begin with. Does that make sense? Kind of. I'm just thinking more of like telltale games where you just like pay for it and, because you get like five episodes, they come out as they're they're ready, and you just right. you just play them. Well, see, yeah, and I don't consider those games a service. That's a complete package. For thirty bucks, you get the entire game. You get each episode of the game. Uh, what I'm talking about is like if they get if you know you paid you know sixty bucks for the original game, and they give you sixty dollars worth of game, like you're satisfied with what they give you. And then they're just going to continue to put stories into that game. You know, I, th- I think that's that's really tough for a single player game because right. you 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 expect your single player games to be a, a complete tale, like you know, kind of wrapped up. And they get you know, uh, developers and publishers get chewed out for you know, kind of taking away, you know, clearly taking stuff out of the game. Why is Destiny a great example for this all the time? <laughs> they, they, for everything they have to say, Destiny is a great example. You know, like the Dark Below was clearly removed from the game. The, the original game, like it was so obvious. But, you know, you don't want to do that. So, if you're going to have games as a service for a single player title, and that's your, I, that's what you're going to do. You're going to put episodic, you know, content out. Like if you have, just like, you know, you're just like, okay, we're going to keep putting DLC out for the single player title. How it makes it really hard to plan DLC. Uh, it makes it, I should say, it makes it hard to plan the actual original game when you don't know where the DLC is going to end. You know what I just thought about is Final Fantasy 15 is kind of in that games as a service mentality because it's a single player game. They do have the multiplayer. They did have the DLC and stuff to it, but they do consistently update it and have things that go into it. Okay. Yeah, I didn't play 15, so I, I can't say oh, so much no, I, I, I've heard, I've heard other people make that sort of jump that it's becoming right. that. And I think, I mean, even then, I, I think that's something we're seeing too. Cause you talked about grand theft auto five before that became a game as a service unintentionally. 
Yeah, that they weren't they just started supporting that and they just keep supporting that and we may not see I, like we don't know when we're going to see a grand theft auto 6 we should have seen a grand theft auto 6 by see, now that's different they did that from the beginning though they did they they thought about that from the beginning so grand theft auto 5 is separate from grand theft auto 5 from grand theft auto online those might as well be two different games. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So Grand Theft Auto Five single player isn't games as a service, but the online no. portion, but, however, but is. You need, yeah, I was going to say you need to buy Grand Theft Auto Five to get into the Grand Theft Auto Online, right? But you're basically paying for Grand Theft Auto Online. There is right. no Grand Theft Auto right. Five. <laughs> right. But but yeah. But that, but I guess that, well, that, that's the point. I mean, the, the and maybe I, sh- I misspoke. It's not that Grand Theft Auto Five is the games as a service. It's the Grand Theft Auto Online. But they're so enraptured with that and they're you know churning out content for that and making money off that that there's a legitimate concern that we may not get a grand theft auto 6 because they're so caught up in this no uh, they're, yeah, come on. They're, they're definitely in development it. yeah yeah they're probably using the the funds from grand theft auto 5 or from grand theft auto online to push development for grand theft auto 6 they've already laid out what they're doing in grand theft auto 6 they've already they already have that part done it's in development I'm not too worried about also, it. Also, like, how how long after um, Grand Theft Auto 4 did Red Dead come out? Because I think that they try to not push things too close together where they're, like, taking sales from themselves. Oh, Grand Theft Well, it couldn't have been that long. Wasn't Red Dead? Red Dead was in 2010. Grand Theft Auto 4 was 2008? Had to be. Because I'm trying to think of where I was when I saw the first trailer. <laughs> I don't want to say anything, but I was in a, in a specific place where I shouldn't have been watching game trailers. That's all. <laughs> I shouldn't say the first trailer. when I, It was the first review for it, for, for Grand Theft Auto 4. I watched it. So I'm pretty sure it's, uh, yeah, pretty sure it's 2008. So it's like two years. 2008. Mm-hmm. Yep. Location-based memory. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean... So yeah, Grand Theft Auto Online is definitely games as a service, but they 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 did that. I think they they meant to do that from the start. Though. They knew what they were getting into. They're gonna have this online this online service that's gonna live off of microtransactions, you know, and, and, and go from there. So, which I guess is kind of uh, leads into the next point that games as a service lives on microtransactions, and that might lead to more aggressive tactics. Let's say not. It's not gonna might lead. It will lead to more aggressive tactics tactics because people like, they're going to be publishers and developers that are just going to push and push and push until they hit a line probably ea it's probably going to be ea they already hit a line yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know this thing and you know they're that's th- that we talked about that that's that's what separate kind of one of the things that separates blizzard from a lot of other publishers is that blizzard puts the game first whereas other publishers put the revenue first you know they're like, we want microtransactions in this game, so you're gonna figure out how to put microtransactions in this game, no matter what. They they shoehorn it in versus making it going more smoothly. Well, Blizzard's been very lucky in that. I mean, they had World of Warcraft, which came out with a subscription, still has a subscription, in an era when subscriptions are like a bygone consideration. I mean, how many games do we see come out with a subscription? Maybe for that one, maybe two years, if they're lucky, they'll maintain that subscription. And then they ultimately wind up just dropping it all together and going with some kind of free to play package with like tokens or something. And you can buy, you know, you can subscribe for that and buy stuff. But, but even then they've added microtransactions to World of Warcraft. You can buy mounts through the store. You can buy 
Uh, they even tested out being able to buy some cosmetic armor through the store. So there's that way of funding themselves. But then also you have Hearthstone where you pay for the packs. You have Overwatch where you pay for the loot boxes. You have Heroes of the Storm where you pay you pay for the heroes and you pay for loot boxes. Yeah, but so, they don't force any of that on no. anybody. No, they, they the one thing that they do in those games that are free to play is they design the, the game very well enough that you can still enjoy yourself for the most part while it's free to play. Exactly. But on the other end, you have stuff like Star Wars Battlefront 2. Oh, you want Darth Vader? Well, you're either going to pony up or you're going to spend a lot of time playing this game. You know, that's that that's a problem. And, you know, they, they will, you know, companies won't be happy with the success of games as a service. It's not like Ubisoft is like, oh, yeah, wow, we made 52% you know, on year two of what we did on year one, that's great. They were like, oh yeah, we want to make that 100% mm-hmm. next year. Like that's what they're, that's what they're aiming for. And it's going to get more and more and more aggressive. They want 200%. They don't want, they just want as much <laughs> money as they can get. They, But I think part of the problem too, is that they look at something like the situation with Battlefront 2. And admittedly, Disney did come in and get that all squared away to some degree. But I think that they're fine alienating a large portion of the player base because they know that they just need a handful of whales to come in and be like, well, I want all the, I want all the star Wars characters. I don't care if I have to spend like $200,000 to get them all. I'm going to throw that money at them. And if they just get two or three people to do that, that's a significant chunk of money. And so even if they alienate a lot of people, the people they're alienating are people who aren't going to spend more than a, you know, a handful of money here or there, if at all to, to get all that in the game. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, additionally, uh, another point that we have is that developers use games as a service to ex- as an excuse to release unfinished games. And we saw that twice last year. Destiny 2. Again. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Destiny 2. And a big one was Mass Effect Andromeda. Now, they didn't come out and say that Mass Effect Andromeda was made games as a service. And actually, the way they ended Mass Effect Andromeda with a, with that blog post makes it seem makes this next statement that I'm going to say sound really fucking stupid, right? <laughs> On their part. But when Mass Effect Andromeda was getting you know you know pounded with complaints and getting trashed, they had the audacity to say that oh well we want to develop this game with the community. That's what our plan is, to develop this game with the community. Fuck off. No fucking way. That game was broken on release, and you're saying we're looking to develop the game with the community. Like, no, you're not. You just released a broken game. The community doesn't want to develop the game with you. They paid for it because they thought you made the game. This is like why I don't buy salad bars when I go out. I want to make my own salad. But it depends, though. I mean, you look at a game... Like there there are games where like community development kind of works and you can foster that. And I'm thinking something like Minecraft has a very active community that kind of influences Fortnite. the direction that the game goes. But Mass Effect has been historically a story driven franchise. Like yep. in all honesty, I don't care about the shooting mechanics. Do they work? Can I shoot stuff in the head? That's all I care about. I don't, you know, like does stuff die in a, in a reasonably quick time for me to move on and get to the next store to like, to see how the story goes and where I can start making decisions and start messing people up. Yeah. That's all I want. And you don't work with the community. Uh, you don't work with the community to tell a story. It's this isn't like, you know, like Twitch tells a story where everybody just types a line in and the story goes wherever the hell the story's going to go. Like this is 
you want you want narrative clarity with something like Mass Effect, and maybe this is their response after everybody kind of shat on the end of Mass Effect Three. They're like, "Oh well, you guys don't like what we're doing. You take it. You do it. We'll set it up, and now you run with it." And that's not that's not the the right response. And I think if that's if that was their thinking, they lost. They they killed Mass Effect long before they put out that blog post that killed Mass Effect. They killed Mass Effect when they reacted to the end of Mass Effect 3. So wait, does that mean you don't want to read my Mass Effect fanfic? Because I'll I'll take that back then. No, no that's different. That's okay. different. probably better than the wait, wait, I, I, Mass Effect I, I, Who 3. hooks up with who in that? I got to know that first. Uh, I actually haven't played Mass Effect. If you listen to my first <laughs> podcast, you would know. <laughs> uh yeah so that i mean that's that's another thing like you know they release games as a service oh they, they, they use games as a service as, a, as an excuse to release a game that's not really finished and that's a problem also with the games as a service comes less ownership of your games and control of your communities i don't think there's ever been more games than there is right now where you can just lose everything right you can pour hours into a game perfect example Hawking on PC. People played on Hawking on PC from the beginning. They bought, you know, the microtransaction money or whatever the end game currency was. They bought mechs, all of that gone in a couple months. They announced that they weren't going to be supporting it on PC anymore because the game still runs on console. They just weren't going to be supporting it on PC anymore. Done. Gone. That's it. Bye. Like that was it. Every, every, all the money that you spent, gone. The same thing can happen with World of Warcraft. It can happen with Final Fantasy Fantasy XIV. It can happen with Overwatch. You have no control over these games. League of Legends, Dota 2, everything you've done like, can be gone. And even if the community what? wants to support the game after the fact, they can't do it. No. As a matter of fact, right now, the ESA is fighting a lawsuit. Now, is it a lawsuit? or they, No, no, not a lawsuit. Sorry. They're trying to... What the, I'm trying to remember the name of the it's organization. A, it's it's a it's some kind of like museum. It's a museum for uh for games, and they want to preserve online games. They want to be able yeah. to take a copy and preserve them as they were. And I mean, the problem is you have some some online games like City of Heroes, uh, Star Wars Galaxies, uh, Marvel Heroes that have shut down that n- people no longer have access to that they would like to be able to preserve because especially increasingly as more more and more games have online content components it's not enough to just have a copy of the disc and have the console you need those servers in order to make to replicate the proper experience and the ESA is saying no 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 like that's all DMCA protected you know like like developers have the uh, publishers have the right when a game shuts down they hold on to the code nobody else can do anything with that and the ESA is, is is supporting that 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 they want that they don't want people to be able to do that, which is, I mean, I kind of see the point in that because like Blizzard right now, there's an argument that Classic WoW is different from WoW as it exists, and people want to play Classic WoW and they're not allowed to because Blizzard has that, and even though the game is still live, technically the game as it was is dead, and you know Blizzard's going to be releasing a, a version of that soon, but. There, there, there. I mean, that's all caught up in the argument that it still applies to live games as much as it applies to dead games. Exactly, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, like right now, if I can get enough people together, we can bring Unreal Tournament 2004 back to life. We could bring Counter. Well, Counter Strike Source actually still runs. Counter Strike 1.6 still runs. Exactly. That, that guess that's a great example too. There are still people running Counter Strike uh, uh, 1.6. There are still people running Counter Strike Source. If Counter Strike Source 
even CSGO, when Valve stops supporting CSGO, the community will still support it. You know, if they ran their games like Blizzard does Overwatch, that doesn't happen. That, that, that those games are gone. You can't play those games. You can't bring them back. You know, and the, the devs don't really seem interested or publishers don't really seem interested on when they're going to kill off a game. Release dedicated servers. For example, uh, Bond, he told me he, he reinstalled Bad Company 2. There's still active servers running for Bad Company 2. You know, for uh, ran by the community. Actually, the guys who made Rising Thunder released a community edition. So you can run servers and stuff like that. And man, they, they released that shit raw. Like, they're like, well, this is the last thing we worked on. Here you go. <laughs> you know, but still, it is out there for if the community was very was very engaged, they can you know organize and, and and run versions of the server and improve it. They have the source code for that game, you know. So, games as a service is pretty bad for gamers in that aspect. Where, I mean, you don't own your games. Period. I mean, even if you have, you know, I have Kingdom Hearts, right? The original, sitting from the PS2 in the original holographic case, sitting in the box, and the disc is in the box. I don't own that game. It's just licensed to me. <laughs> you know? Now it's even less. Now you like all of your efforts. Like if I wanted to, I can pop it. I, I saw my two P, PS2 actually plugged up right now. If I could pop my that game into my PS2 and pull up my old save from 2002 if I wanted to. That's what but I... You really, go ahead. Actually, so I was looking at Twitter and I didn't even realize that the, the Scott Pilgrim game got pulled from the Xbox Live a while ago, like Xbox Live and PS3 or whatever. And you can't download that. You can't find it on PC. You can't do anything with it. And like the how it has to feel to be like a developer just to have like all of your hard work into this one thing just be destroyed, like gone, like it never existed. It's just insane how like they could just pull it and it's dead. That's that. PT. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's eradicated you don't even you can't even if you i mean you didn't have to pay for it it was free it was a trailer but if you downloaded that and wanted to play it they got they wiped that off your uh your hard drive so it's it's gone if you enjoyed that if if that hour that you spent screaming was you know what you dreamed of you can no longer do that you only have your horrible memories wait they really wiped it yeah it's gone it's it does it, it if i think the only way you could still have it is if you you uh have not hooked your xbox up to the internet PlayStation. Or PlayStation, PlayStation yeah. If you, yeah. not hooked their PlayStation up to the internet. But even then, I don't know if you'd be able to do that because uh, the PlayStation, doesn't it have to like check into the internet every so often before it, it cuts you off? I don't know if you can. No, that that was speculation for the Xbox. So before. Yeah, because well, there, weren't for, there weren't there. For PlayStation Plus games, it does. Yeah, yeah Plus games, well, yeah. Well, weren't there, I think there were PlayStations that right after they got rid of that, that were, they were going for thousands of dollars because they had PT mm-hmm. on, they, on they, there. They, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how valid those sales actually were, but. People thought they could get make money that way, so it's. And that was just a trailer. That wasn't even an actual <laughs> game. Exactly, like you know, your your game, like your your ownership of the game's gone. Like your game's history is kind of gone. Like I, I have Zone of Enders two, the second runner. The reason I actually have my PS two hooked up is because I always said I was going to go back and beat that game. It's not going to happen, but I can dream. the next place i move to i just i can't bring it and put it i can't i can't i can't do it i just can't turn it off 
It's still powered up. It still works. <laughs> you have to get like a battery and like transport it all like in a little glass case. And- yeah. <laughs> just keep it there. Just tell the next person that lives there like, hey, I'm just going to be here like once a week or so. Just ignore me. Give me yeah. $10 to come in. I'm just, just like a look at it. I'm not going to play it. I'm just going to look at it. <laughs> yeah, but that's the, like, you're, yeah, that, that's probably one of the biggest problems with games as a service. You know, uh, one of the biggest gripes that I talk about, if you listen to Watchpoint Radio, is how Blizzard handles the community. The community cannot police itself. It cannot control itself. It cannot do anything. Everything has to go through Blizzard. So you don't have ownership of the games is one thing, but you also don't have control of your communities. In Unreal Tournament, uh, in Counter-Strike, even now, Counter-Strike now, the community could control its more wild members. Because if somebody was out of pocket, you put them on a global ban list, and now on all the servers that people want to play on, they're not allowed indefinitely. And like Blizzard takes forever to ban people. Like, you know, they have these massive ban waves and everybody's happy to do that. Like, I'm not necessarily happy when they have these massive ban waves because those, you know, thousands or millions of accounts, it means those assholes were in this game this whole time with you. You know, ruining your time, throwing in your games versus in Source, if we had somebody who was just out of pocket, which I'm, I'm sorry, but to get globally banned in Source, you either had to be cheating or one of the worst assholes on the planet. Uh, you know, we do well, hey, you know, we you have forums where the server admins would kind of hang out or they they would talk back and forth like, yo, this guy with this GUID, complete prick, and I'm banning him. Oh yeah, I dealt with that guy too. We dealt with this guy too. Okay, fine, we're gonna put him on the global ban list into discussion. He can still play the game on Valve servers, but nobody played on Valve servers, you know? So that that's kind of the way it was. The community's the community can police itself uh swiftly so i and, and actually i've said that on the show before people are like well the overwatch community is just so big it can't really happen i'm sorry do you realize how many people play counter-strike across this planet <laughs> you know like no like the communities can police themselves and with games as a service that's completely gone as well everything has to go through the developer unless the developer sets up community-based Controls like the Tribunal from League of Legends or Counter-Strike now has the Overwatch. So if you if you're like a, if, you, if like reports are coming in in competitive because competitive are played on is played on uh, Valve servers, right? The community can still do something about it. So you do have examples like that, but not, most as we continue with games and servers, most developers and publishers aren't going to take the time to do that, and they're going to be so strapped for resources, they're not going to put the time behind it. Look at the toxicity issues in Overwatch were one of the biggest problems in 2018, and that's because Overwatch did not take it, like they weren't handling it, and that's we're still dealing with toxicity at high levels because of how they handled it before, you know? So I'm a huge advocate for communities policing themselves because it is totally doable so but let's get to the positives of gas right so i'm gonna leave it on a positive note so we'll go here so one of the positives of gas that does stabilize jobs in the games industry right christina's trying not to laugh because i said positives of gas i just because i saw nick's face and then that made me laugh I mean, because I think he was trying not to laugh, not because I saw his face. Sorry. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
So the, one of the positives, guys, is that it does stabilize jobs in the games industry. When you have games that serve. So right now, if you've been following, you know, games news for the last few years, well, actually more than the last few years, you know, you're, you're there, you'll find a lot of topics talking about crunch in the games industry. A lot of developers are brought in as temps and then, you know, they kind of lose their jobs after doing stuff. That's one of the th- reasons why DLC was such a good thing. For the industry is because instead of making doing your part of the game, because most people don't stay on the game through its entire development, right? You do your part. If you are a writer, you write your shit, and then that was it for you. Or you're an artist, so you do your art stuff, and that was it for you. You know, you're a tools guy. You built the tools, and that was kind of it for you. Uh, now, what was that with that one DLC is that when you're a writer and you wrote for the game that you were going to do, okay, well, we got this DLC that we need to write for it too. So you kind of go and do that stuff and get the next phase ready. With games of the surface, there's a constant role. And I think that's one of the reasons why Blizzard has is one of the most stable develop, like one of the development houses in the industry. Because there's always something going on. People don't just get fired. They move from one place to the other to do various jobs. And that's what works out for Blizzard. So, game, you know, uh, gas does stabilize jobs in the games industry. Ultimately, at the end of the day, another point is that games as a service can make games better. Even if a game has a botched launch, it can get better. Hello, Division. How are you? This, you know, this this February is almost is almost two years, and the Division it still had it's had a pretty healthy player base. And its player base has gotten stronger, and they, they, the game has gotten so much better. I actually have considered getting back into it, just checking it out, and maybe getting the DLCs, like, and and going for because that's like the game is finally fucking finished. You know, it's it's finally done. So the division uh, is a great example that it can ultimately make games better. Whew, I had another Destiny disc, but I was I'm gonna let it slide. We've already done it enough. <laughs> We, you know, on the Torn and the Goblin, we like to complain about Sylvanas, and we do that a lot. And we've, I finally implemented a rule, like, if we're going to talk about her, it's two minutes per episode, and that's it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I think maybe you need, like, a two-minute clock for Division. Like, every week, just bitch about, the, or Destiny, rather, just bitch about Destiny for two minutes, and then that's it. But there there were just so many problems with Destiny and Destiny 2 that I could just, almost any problem I can pull out of the air... I can compare it to Destiny. That's <laughs> that. That's not my problem. That's theirs. Okay, <laughs> that's just their issue. But yeah, like games of service can ultimately make games better, even if they are, you know, uh, they're okay at first. Like you know, you have continued development. It's it, it'll definitely that that's definitely a positive. Finally, you know, you also have continued support for your favorite games. You know, you don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about buying another another Overwatch next year. I don't have to worry about it. You know, people who play Rainbow Six Siege, like, you know, they just buy the next DLC or, uh, you know, whatever pack comes out. I don't know how they handle um, uh, monetization of Rainbow Six. I'm pretty sure it's through, I think like, it's packs, right? Like packs, yeah. Because I think sure Year like 3 packs. just came out. <clears throat> right. You know, I know that Fortnite sells season passes and I think they're like 60 bucks to be honest with you. Well, they just had a battle pass come out that's like $10. Battle pass, that's what it's yeah, called. Yeah, that, okay, that so one like was $10. $10, yeah. Okay, I thought, for some reason I thought it was $60. I mean, the Maybe game is $60. The, the, actually, the, uh, I'm sorry, that the, I got it confused. It's the, uh, 
founders packs that are yeah. normally priced like that. But the battle pass like like you said it was like ten bucks. So you know that that that's you get these continues for for the for your games like you pay like some like for for, for battle royale Fortnite you don't pay anything you just pay for the battle pass if you want to. But and if you like it, I don't see why you wouldn't spend ten dollars. But you can spend less money, you know, a small amount of money every year once the game is complete. Like, dude, I'd pay for DLCs for Horizon Zero Dawn forever. Just keep expanding the area, keep giving me new quests. I just want to hunt some robots. That's <laughs> what I want to do. I want to hunt robots. Like, I, I, I would totally do that. So. I was I was sad. I think I, I under I understated how sad I was that Horizon Zero Dawn was finally finished. Uh, but now I wouldn't have to worry about that if it ran as games as a service. You know, that's that's kind of the deal. So there are positives to games as a service. I think our biggest issue though is that games are the games industry. Their businesses, these publishers and developers, their their businesses. And they're always going to be looking for ways to make more money. However, some publishers and developers look for more intrusive ways to squeeze money out of you. And that's usually where EA comes in. That's where sometimes Activision comes in. Um, you know, so uh, that that's where the concerning piece is. Just like loot boxes, games as a service is not evil. But how it's implemented is what is really going to matter. And we're definitely going to see more of it in the future. There's really nothing you can do about it. And I think it's kind of here to stay. Just like free, just like free to play is here to stay, but it's just not, not everybody is pumping out everything free to play anymore. But in a way though, like isn't games as a service sort of the ideal, even as a player, like, I mean, I, I guess I'm just thinking as far as like, you know, I, I don't, I guess I don't mind if it's like, oh, you get like, you know, Super Mario Brothers and then Super Mario Brothers 2 and then Super Mario Brothers 3. But like, and maybe it's just because I play Warcraft so much that it's, you know, that's kind of the prototype for this in a way. But, you know, like give me like, like, you know, looking at how they handle Destiny, not to shit on Destiny again, because now I'm violating the two minutes, but <laughs> that. You know, like when they put out Destiny 2 and that resets the world, it completely invalidated everything you did in Destiny 1. And if you can give me a system where everything that I did in the earlier version still counts, it still matters, it still goes forward, and you're just building on that. And like I would like if, if I, I would have liked it if Destiny 2, you know, when that came out, like it left everything that you did, it left your inventory intact, it left the map and the world intact, everything you had explored, you had explored, but it just added so much more to all those zones and it gave you different areas to go to. And it, you know, kind of like how world of Warcraft expansion gives you a new area to explore every time. And I think maybe, you know, like, like maybe that's kind of sort of like, and then again, this could just be, this is the pattern I've settled into as a, you know, a middle-aged man who plays. Wow. That, you know, like I want a game that just kind of can sort of ages with me and I get to explore and grow out, but I can still go back to the old places. I can still check out some of the old content. I can still roll a new character that can still go through and play most of what used to be there. Um, and, and, and it's not the thing where every time a new, a new game comes out, the world resets itself. You've got something completely different. I mean, even to compare like grand theft auto where like you had, you know, you know, you grand theft auto three, you went out, you did all that. You took over all these, you know, you know, crime bosses and, and you uh, climb the ladder and you, you were the crime boss for the city. Then Grand Theft Auto come, 4 comes out 
and you got to do the same thing again, except you're doing it in a different location. And it's, you know, it had, you know, they enhanced the features, but it was still the same, you know, sort of the same thing. And I just wonder if maybe from our perspective as a player to look for something where you can continuously build on what you've done before and you're continuously, you know, you're, you're taking that same avatar and just working it through, you know, through different things, but it's still that same avatar. It has that same lengthy story. And yeah, we're getting new experiences, but we're doing it with that same character. I think maybe that's something I as a player appreciated. So I, I, I do see where you're coming from, but um, I, I do play a lot of single player games and I do get a lot of season passes and DLCs and everything for these games. And I don't ever play them. It becomes a chore because I'm like, I finally beat this game. Like I can finally put it to the side and not touch it unless I want to revisit some stuff. And then DLC comes out. And I'm like, shit. I didn't beat the game now. Like I had to go back and do this stuff. And because I have such a backlog, it's like so much for me to do. And then you get to the point where if they want to expand on a game, it's really hard to start from the top and then go up because like things, especially like Metroid, every time you play Metroid, all your like upgrades and stuff are gone. And you had to like find them all over again. What if she started the game with all her upgrades? Then it's not going to be as interesting because you're not, you know, building your way up. You're starting from the top and then developers then have to find a way to go even higher. And it's hard yeah, to raise that I, I scale. I don't even think you can make a Metroid style game like that. That's just not how Metroid Mania works. <laughs> right. But I'm well, just no, using that as an example. Yeah, like it's really hard but for. The, there are right, walls the, the, that require different bombs to blow up. So you have to find the different bomb upgrade. And then the yeah, point and it's, that I was yeah. trying to make does not, not every game lends itself to that. Like that's why it was a good example, but single player, like when you have, like, first of all, I don't want persistent. I don't want a persistent world across most of my games. I like the fact that GTA 3 is different from GTA 4, which is different from GTA 5 and Vice City. You have a bunch of different, like, you know, if you have one character, you, you kind of know what to expect with that character. I mean, by the time you get to the middle of the game, you know what to expect from the characters you're playing with. But now you have a new person that you're dealing with, a new personality, and and and, and discovering that person is, is kind of part of the story and kind of fun, right? I don't necessarily want a persistent world across even most of my games. Some of my games, sure. Most of them, no. So it, I, I, I do appreciate the fact that a lot of this stuff is separated. And then to make a, night, a nice, neat, single-player game, a tight-knit one, to, to take the story from part one, you know, from start to finish, I think you need to have that closure there. Like, you, you, you know, if you just start the game with somebody, you know, and kind of know where you want them to end up, but you don't necessarily know how it ends. That kind of like I think I think that dilutes it, right? You don't know exactly what to do. That's you know, I think that's you know kind of a problem. That's 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 Dexter. That's Dexter. For those who've seen the ending of Dexter, I'm not sure if you've seen it, Christina. Nick obviously has. That's Dexter. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing. I, I, I that's one I guess an issue of gas is that. You know, with single-player titles, you know, we kind of already talked about it. The single-player experiences don't really work well with gas. But if they try to shoehorn that in there, I, I don't want an Assassin's Creed that they don't know where it's going to end. Like, all they know is that they're going to constantly be delivering DLC for it. That kind of... Actually, to give a great example, 
the story, the the lore of Overwatch right now is kind of all over the place because they don't want to cement anything. You you want to leave avenues open. You're gonna if, if you're gonna be con- just repeatedly delivering DLC for a game or episodes for a game, you uh, you want to leave things open, right? Imagine if Telltale Games, like if you bought The Wolf Among Us and they you just had chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter and there was no end in sight. It just kind of goes. That's not how you build a single player experience. It's not how you build a good story. That's Assassin's Creed. That's Assassin's Creed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even like Warcraft, right? Like WoW has lore, right? That has developed over time. But as a linear story, it's all over the place. But they exactly they <laughs> sat down like three expansions ago or four expansions ago and they said they figured out sort of the arc of the next six expansions. So we're actually it's kind of interesting as a fan because we're getting towards the end of that arc that they figured out and at some point they're going to have to figure out like the next 10 years of game and where that's going to go so it could be terrible but for now i mean they've been doing for pretty well like games have all sort of the pieces have all fit together pretty well i think but right. like, like one of the things though too as far as a single player game goes i feel like that maybe started to hit upon this but but was still a bit early for this like mass effect the fact that you could bring your saves over from one game to the next game it allowed you to build on that and yes the world changed i mean there were some places that like you you go to the citadel in every game but you know but like the decisions you made in the first game affected what happened in the third game to some degree and so something like that maybe is is maybe like games as a service is more an evolution of that kind of idea but you need i guess at some point you do need a narrative endpoint where you're like okay this is the story we're going to tell and and in the case of destiny you know, it may take 10 years and this is going to be our narrative endpoint. And at the end of 10 years, you're going to fight the Uber boss, whatever the heck it is. And obviously they're not handling it very well. But yeah, I think there, there there's maybe room to be like, well, okay, we're going to do game as a service. It's This is our how long we're going to do it for. And then at that point, we're going to cut it off and then move on to something else. Yeah, I think too many games. Actually, there was an article on games industry like a month or two ago where a writer for the games industry says that the game industry needs to, needs to take, you basically say that they need to take writing more seriously. And that in many cases, when they're brought in, levels are already made for the game. They already know what they want the player to do, but they're like, we need you to write a reason for him to be here and now to be here. <laughs> that's kind of like, that's what they have to do. That, you know, obviously, I think a game like Mass Effect, you know, writing is in more of the forefront. Uh, probably one of the better. Spec Ops The Line. I mean, that had amazing writing. That was, there was never any point in that game where you were just arbitrarily somewhere for some stupid reason. Like, it all fit together at the end. Exactly. Exactly. You know, sometimes they do it well. Like, the first day, not the first Deus Ex, but Deus Ex Human Revolution, you were all over the fucking place. Sometimes twice. But they really made it work in the story. I was like, okay, I believe that. (laughs) You know, like, I'll go with that. So it really works. But yeah, I, I don't know. Games and services doesn't, doesn't work well with single player experiences, and hopefully they don't suffer because of it. But it is something that that could happen. So, but if if nobody anybody have anything else, because we could go ahead and wrap up here. Okay, so thanks for listening, guys. Um, we uh, yeah, I, I I promised that we were gonna, we were gonna make these shorter. It's this one's not two hours though, so. True. I mean, if you want me to talk for like a couple more minutes, I guess I can try. (laughs) No, no, no. We were supposed to be an hour, but like we know we we actually 
kind of prepped two topics for this. Like, oh, we don't know if we're going to be able to talk about this long enough. Yeah, right now. <laughs> I said it. I said, I don't think we need to worry about the second topic. I think we'll be good with one. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, it's like we really need like three quarters of a topic. That's all. Yeah. yeah. So thanks for listening all the way through. If you're hearing this part, why don't you guys give me socials? How can we find you? Uh, Well, I'm just s'mores pop tarts. Pop tart. Oh my God, I can't speak. I'm already done. All right, I'm out. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I'm S'mores Pop Tart. Um, the S'mores is ending with a Z on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. I should write this down and Twitch. There we go. <laughs> Nick? I am at WookieBH on Twitter, and you can find me as the host of Wow Talk and The Torn and the Goblin, which are on alternate Tuesdays where I talk about World of Warcraft for. Roughly an hour each time. Yeah, Nick's good at that. I'm I'm terrible at timing because I will just talk until I am done. <laughs> but, the, the trick is at an hour you just hit stop and then that's it. You know what you yeah. do? If we cut out all the times you talked about Destiny 2, it would probably be an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I want that director's cut now, please. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at underscore jaw underscore. Uh, I occasionally also stream at twitch.tv slash match those buttons. And you can find me weekly on Watchpoint Radio, where I talk about Overwatch and constantly complain about Blizzard not handling the community properly. Also, uh, but it's, I complain out of love. I'm also on Prepared to Attack, which if you play Overwatch or if you're trying to learn how to play Overwatch, I highly suggest you listen to Prepared to Attack. It's where we hook up with... Uh, a top 500 or grandmaster coach from Wild Wild's boot camp, and we teach you how to play Overwatch character by character. So definitely check that out. Uh, this podcast is available on multiple podcast platforms like iTunes and Google Play Music. Uh, I'm pretty sure at this point it has spread to a lot of other platforms. So just go ahead and search for that in your podcast platform of choice. It is, if it is not available, just visit matchlessbuttons.com and you can snatch the RSS feed and pop that into your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Uh, other than that, I definitely suggest you check out matchesbuttons.com slash shows. So you can see all the other shows that we do. Like Nick mentioned, he does two World of Warcraft podcasts. We have a fi- uh, podcast dedicated to the fighting game community, which is weekly. We have a division podcast, sit rep radio. Those guys are on fire right now. And, um, yeah, I already mentioned Watchmen Radio. That's pretty much it, I believe. So, uh, thank you guys for listening. We're going to catch you in two weeks. Hope you enjoyed the show. Peace. See you.